Chapter Eleven of An Unwilling Guest by Grace Livingston Hill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Eleven, Rebecca Bascombe on Evening Dress. It remained for Rebecca Bascombe to settle the question of full dress in Hillcroft, and to set Evelyn Rutherford's mind in a tumult. It was just after breakfast the next morning, and the mother and daughter were hurrying to get the dishes out of the way, that they might have all the preparations for the evening complete early in the day. The sun had come out bright and clear, the air was cold, and a glowing fire was burning in the corner fireplace in the parlor. At one side of this, Evelyn was sitting with a book in her hand. She was not reading, but looking into the fire with a dreamy expression. Something she read recalled to mind the expression of Dr. Gray's face during that view they had together on the hilltop. She was not always thinking of him. There had been two days when she banished every thought of the new influence which had come into her life. And though she performed her promise, she did it hastily and perfunctorily. She wrote many letters home and began to hope to get away soon. She had even written to her brother as a last resort. Though she was not quite sure where he was, his plans were not always confided to his family. Occasionally, however, the new and startling thought of a Christ, and for her, would come to her piercingly, and with it a clear vision of the face of the young man who had given it to her. She was wondering again about his life, and if it was always as beautiful and spotless all through, as it had seemed the few times she had seen him, when there came an interruption to her thoughts. A wide shadow entered the hall doorway. If she had not been absorbed, she would have noticed a strange voice in the kitchen, and known that Mrs. Gray had asked someone to go into the parlor and sit down a minute, while she went to look for a certain skirt pattern desired. Mrs. Gray was not a woman who entered people's kitchen doors uninvited, and without knocking, and neither did she care to have prying eyes watching her every movement, to report the same as soon as possible to the entire speaking acquaintance of the owner of those same prying eyes. However, there were people in Hillcroft who employed this method of making friendly calls, and Mrs. Gray used discretion in getting them into the parlor as the case demanded. Rebecca Bascombe wore old, soft Congress gaiters and a pair of decrepit gumshoes, as she designated them, three sizes too large, therefore her step was not heralded. Evelyn looked up, and she nodded a pleasant good morning, with a motion half-bow and half-a-ducking courtesy, which suited her bulk. She approached Evelyn, and eyed her with expectation and enjoyment, as one approaches a particularly dainty morsel rolling her tongue with anticipation. Evelyn moved her chair back and would have risen to leave the room if she had realized that this stranger had come to stay. But Miss Bascombe said in a voice that Allison used to say was all meal and oil. Oh, don't you move. I'll set right here. Miss Gray has gone to find a pattern for my sister. Are you Maurice Gray's wife? She fixed her bright brown little eyes on Evelyn's beautiful face. And Evelyn, for some reason utterly unknown to her, and thoroughly disturbing, was aware that the blood had leapt into her face and mounted even to her brow. She was aware also that the twinkling eyes had observed this with satisfaction, 
and laid it away to put with whatever facts might develop thereafter i beg your pardon stammered evelyn trying to summon her haughty manner and sitting up straight she would have left the room without answering had it been any other man in the world whose wife she had been taken for but for some strange reason she did not understand she felt she must in justice to him set this matter right be you young dr gray's wife came the direct question again and the little eyes fixed her once more as a pen does a fluttering moth i am miss rutherford of new york evelyn answered in her most freezing manner oh you don't say met him in new york did you well you're real handsome anyway i told my sister when i see you go by with that bright circus sack you wore the other day that i guessed maury had picked up some actor woman and i knew that would be hard on miss gray feelin as she does about bare necks and short sleeves and i knew they mostly wore em but rutherford do you say a new intelligence coming into the bright eyes why now you ain't any relation to miss joan rutherford be you i wonder now if you are i was mistook no member of miss rutherford's family ever wore anything indecent miss rutherford is my aunt i wish you good morning said evelyn with a grand sweep of her fine figure as she left the room at last to almost come into collision with allison who stood wide-eyed and red-cheeked by the hall door allison grasped her hand convulsively and she returned the clasp with her own as by common consent they fled from the spot swiftly and silently what did she dare to say to you questioned allison excitedly when they came to a standstill in a safe place which happened to be allison's own room whither she had without realizing it drawn evelyn i heard only the last few words but i know she is capable of saying a great deal the idea of her daring to speak of that lovely coat of yours in that way circus sack indeed and then both girls sat down and burst into peals of laughter it was perhaps the best thing that could have happened to them evelyn felt almost hysterical from the experience through which she had just passed and she was not a girl who often cried besides the laughter created a bond of sympathy between them she is a meddlesome busybody said allison when she could speak mother does not like to have her here but is fond of her poor old sister we always treat her well and get her away as soon as possible when she comes over but she is just dreadful she would fairly cut your heart out to see your thoughts if she knew how and there is nothing absolutely nothing she does not dare to say but what did she mean about your mother's feeling about bare necks doesn't your mother approve of decollete dresses evelyn asked the question curiously but there was enough of her old tinge of superior scorn in the tone to bring the bright blood into allison's face and deeply embarrass her evelyn was quick she had noticed that the family did not array themselves in fine garments for dinner and she had not done so again but she had set this down to the quiet home customs of the family and had not dreamed that there was a principle concerned neither did she suppose that they did not wear evening dresses on some occasions it is not the custom to wear evening dresses here began allison in confusion and then her bravery came to the front and she looked up with a fine smile of loyalty no my mother does not approve of it but it seems discourteous to say so to you when you think differently about it i know that people in society universally dress in that way the other girl did not argue the question 
it had appeared to her only as an idiosyncrasy of this town allison was relieved when she asked quietly then what are you going to wear to-night at this what do you call it club meeting you must tell me what to wear i don't want to be dressed out of keeping with the occasion you know it might come to the ears of your friend downstairs and shock her they both laughed again and the returning stiffness that threatened passed away with the question what are you going to wear to-night there came a cloud over allison's face i don't know she answered hesitating i hoped my new dress would be done in time but the dressmaker sent word this morning that she has been sick and could not finish it till next week it is very annoying for the last time i wore my blue silk waist i spilled some cream down the front and tried as hard as i could i have not been able to get the spot out so but that it shows a little dear me that's too bad can't you cover it up with lace in some way where is it let me see it perhaps i can suggest some way said evelyn glad to find a little chance to help this other girl and interested at once as she always was in a matter of clothes what a lovely shade she exclaimed as allison reluctantly brought out a blue waist of good silk plainly made she knew it would not shine beside miss rutherford's elegant and varied wardrobe and she would rather have kept it to herself but her real anxiety to cover the spot made her glad of the help that is just the shade of your eyes said evelyn holding up the silk to match them come in my room and let me see if i have not a lace collar that will exactly cover that spot and i know i have a velvet ribbon just the same color that will make the sweetest knot for your hair unless you have one allison acknowledged that she had not and looked with wistfulness at the scientific carelessness of the other girl's arrangement of hair she longed to ask her how she accomplished such results but did not feel intimate enough however evelyn was more interested now than she had been since the son of the house departed she had some pleasant work to do with which she was familiar oh let me dress you up and fix your hair and then we can tell just how it will look may i she said it with so much eagerness that allison was amazed this was a new girl not the miss rutherford that had been with them for several days she felt as if she might some time get acquainted with this girl so she submitted it was marvellous what a difference the deft touches of the artist gave to allison's already pretty head the arrangement of the hair was simplicity itself with a tiny knot of turquoise blue velvet tucked in among the golden masses but there was something about it which gave a needed finish to allison and set off her quiet beauty to perfection evelyn would have called this something style but the mother when she looked called it artistic allison in her heart knew that it was stylish and she felt a certain satisfaction in seeing it belong to herself the collar that evelyn produced from the depths of one of the big trunks was a delicate sheer muslin embroidered in a fine new old-fashioned way and edged with the finest of real lace dainty and unobtrusive it fitted about the shoulders and over the soiled front in a pretty way as if it had been made for the purpose but i must not wear your collar said allison surveying the effect with a lingering pleasure i will give it to you and then it will be yours not mine you see said the irresistible evelyn i am tired of it anyway now you shall tell me what to wear and allison had the pleasure of going through the marvellous contents of those trunks handling pretty materials and gaining many new ideas of originality in dress 
it was a pleasure for evelyn had money and taste and her clothes were generally a work of art allison revelled in the pretty things until she suddenly remembered that it was growing late and that there were many things to be done raising her eyes from the trunk she saw the other girl looking at her intently you look fine said evelyn sincerely as if she were merely thinking aloud if you were in new york and dressed well you would make an impression allison's cheeks vied with the scarlet of the dying sage flowers bordering the garden path and she might have turned and fled so much was her sensitive nature stirred had not her mother coming in search of her just then seen her through the half-open door and stepping softly in kissed her gently on the cheek what has she done to you my little girl she said holding her lovingly at arm's length and looking with pleased eyes at the sweet blushing face it is very lovely allison looking into those loving eyes and hearing the gentle praise was soothed and pleased thus was the perplexing question of dress settled for the evening and the two girls were brought nearer together dress has much sin and sorrow to answer for in the world it is well now and then it can be used for good pleased with her effort at help evelyn grew interested in the evening affair what were they going to do have refreshments could she help in setting the table she always set the tables for any special affairs at home and was very fond of helping in the arrangements for charity fairs perhaps she might relieve them a little and allison charmed with the idea of having things arranged in true new york style surrendered the dining-room into her hands the result was a thing of beauty evelyn went so far as to rifle her trunk for a bolt of narrow crimson ribbon and several yards of wide satin ribbon to match the satin ribbon she fastened in large bows to the four corners of the table while the four long ends met each other and were fastened in an ingenious way under a branch of red leaves on the gas fixture allison had picked the last of the scarlet sage and that was massed in a big glass bowl in the centre of the table the narrow ribbon adorned the little bundles of white sandwiches which had come in a basket from ethel haynes and made cunning little rosettes in the handles of the glass dishes that held the delicate sponge cakes and there were bright red apples polished till they shone like rubies in a pile at each end of the table set about with bits of green from an evergreen tree it was easy to improvise scarlet shades for the tiny lamps and candles allison possessed and when the dainty cups were clustered on a white-covered side-table with a little brass tea-kettle beside them ready for lighting the whole was charming yet in spite of all this allison as she went from her hairdresser's hand late in the afternoon to finish dressing thought with trembling of the evening before her and wished it were over the matter of dress was settled evelyn was to wear a white cloth dress with a touch of crimson velvet here and there allison thought of the harmony of it with the other decorations with satisfaction and then smiled to think how she was reckoning miss rutherford as one of the decorations at the last minute there came a message from ethel haynes her aunt was so very ill that she would not be able to come after all she enclosed the program and begged allison to take charge she also mentioned that the chief performer of the evening had the mumps and would not be present so allison would have to play poor allison her nerves already under a strain gave way she sat down and let the discouraged tears come 
i simply cannot play at all mamma what shall i do you know i never play in public not really fine music nothing except ballads and things without practising and i would not play before miss rutherford for the world she is a very fine performer didn't you hear her the other night when maurice was here she is wonderful evelyn stood in the door in the soft white dress with crimson touches at her belt and throat with her most gracious manner she felt secretly elated at her success in helping the sister of that young man she began to think she understood what he had meant and wished he was here to witness how well she was doing it moreover she could but hear what allison had said and being proud of her ability to play was naturally pleased therefore when mrs gray looked up at her smiling and said why don't you ask her to play then dear and said allison her head still buried in her handkerchief sobbed out i wouldn't dare mother i am sure she wouldn't do it she smilingly offered her services to any extent allison looked up ashamed and pleased and troubled all in one then she burst out but bert judkins was to play on his violin and he doesn't know much about it and will murder things dreadfully i presume some one will have to accompany him and i simply can't do it he is in my sunday-school class and i should get so nervous over him i should break down can't you suppress him said evelyn frowning no said allison decidedly a flash coming into her eyes in spite of her misery it was a great thing to get him to come we had to coax him and we hoped to get hold of him through his love of music some of the girls are going to try to make him feel at home to-night so he will come again and perhaps begin to come to church evelyn raised her eyebrows this sort of thing was beyond her but she was determined that as far as the evening was concerned she would do her best to help never mind don't worry she said kindly i'm sure i can blunder through some sort of an accompaniment with him come let us get those candles ready to light and pick the red leaves for the mantel are you sure you can find any more yes i know a sheltered spot on the back veranda where they are still bright i'll go out and get them and allison dried her eyes and went away wondering what spell had befallen this strange girl if things went on like this she would be really liking her soon End of chapter 11